Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Oh, mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the law. Lawman is putting an end to my running and I'm so far from my home. Oh, mama, I can hear you crying. You're so scared and all alone. Hangman is coming down from the gallows and I don't have very long. You can call me Bruce. Bruce Nolan is standing by. Hey, wacky Bruce! Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that very special intro that I have created and curated just for you. I specifically selected a specific part of a salient song that I thought was relevant to this particular week. Not only is it a song about a man who's on the run, which I can clearly identify with, but in addition, it happens to be a song that has come to be known as a symbol for the recently defeated Pittsburgh Steelers. In addition, my wife was gone this past weekend and I got bored and crazy things happen When I get bored, I make zero apologies for my oddities and idiosyncrasies on this podcast. It's part of what makes it the Bruce exclusive. So with that being noted, how about them bills? The Buffalo bills, since the last time we've talked, defeated the Pittsburgh Steelers. And as we always do on the Thursday podcast episode of the Bruce exclusive, we are going to be discussing narratives, but we're going to do it a little differently today. Historically, I will spend Tuesday evening working on some tape that will be used to back up narratives about specific players. But today we're going to talk about a different narrative and it's a narrative you and I have never had an opportunity to talk about ever on this podcast. And it's this, are the bills Super Bowl contenders? That's one of the things we've never had an opportunity to talk about on this podcast. And it's not as simple 
when you do things the way that we do things as saying the Bills are Super Bowl contenders, ladies and gentlemen, and then just leaving that because that's not the way we do things on the Bruce exclusive. So you know what we're going to do. You've been listening to this pod long enough. You know exactly what we're going to do. We are going to define Super Bowl contender. So Super Bowl contender, are the Bills a Super Bowl contender, especially coming off their victory over the Pittsburgh Steelers? Oh, Bruce, that's crazy. The Bills aren't a Super Bowl contender. Really? Oh, Bruce, of course they're a Super Bowl contender. Really? How do you define Super Bowl contender? I guarantee there's someone out there going, well, you know, it's someone who can contend for a Super Bowl. <laughs> You're not allowed to use the term in the definition. Come on, guys. That's boring. How do you define Super Bowl contender without saying the words Super Bowl or contend? Let's look at the past Super Bowl teams and their record during the regular season. Let's start with that. Have you noticed a trend? The best teams don't win the Super Bowl. Good teams win the Super Bowl. But yet there are Super Bowl winners who we consider to be outliers, specifically wildcard teams. So I'm going to define Super Bowl contender, and then I'm going to explain why or why not the Bills fall into that definition. A Super Bowl contender is a team that could win the championship in the year of the assertion without the story of their underdog playoff run being the narrative. That is my definition of a Super Bowl contender. If a team gets the chip, if they raise the trophy in the year of the assertion and the narrative around that team is not, wow, you know, coming in the playoffs, no one really thought they had a shot and they just kept overcoming adversity. They're scrappy little underdogs and they ended up winning the whole thing. Just goes to show you anything can happen any given Sunday. Once you get in the playoffs, who knows what can happen? If that's the narrative, then you weren't a Super Bowl contender. If you win the whole thing and that's not the narrative, then you were a Super Bowl contender. That's what that means. That's the way I'm going to define Super Bowl contender. Because contention is hard to explain in a playoff system with one loss out. It's a single elimination playoff in the NFL. There's no game series, nothing like that. Single elimination, you're out. So in that the case, technically, everybody's in contention. But are we really going to go that far? Are we really going to say anybody who makes the playoffs is a Super Bowl contender? Because technically, they can all make it. I'm not willing to be that broad. The reason I'm not willing to be that broad is because in the history of the playoffs, since they expanded to include a wildcard team, six wildcard teams have won the playoffs. Six. This happened in the 70s, ladies and gentlemen. That's enough that you can call a wildcard team who makes the playoffs and wins the Super Bowl an outlier. Six out of 50. Every other time the Super Bowl was won, it was won by a team who wasn't a wild card. Therefore, I cannot put wild cards in as guaranteed Super Bowl contenders. Because of that, you can't say 
Anyone who makes the playoffs is a Super Bowl contender. Not everyone who makes the playoffs is a Super Bowl contender. So where do you draw the line? Anyone who makes the playoffs who's not a divisional leader? What does necessarily always fall in that case? Because there have been divisional leaders. Take, for example, the NFC East winner this year. Does anyone think that whoever wins the NFC East will be considered to be a Super Bowl contender? If it's the Washington football team or the New York Giants, is anyone going to think of them going into the playoffs as a Super Bowl contender? Probably not. But they made the playoffs and they weren't a wild card. So we can't use make the playoffs as your barometer. You also can't use make the playoffs but aren't a wild card as your barometer for reasons we've already established. So if you can't use those two things as a barometer, you have to draw the cutoff somewhere. And I don't think it's as simple as, well, you know, you got to be a, you got to win 10 games or 11 games or 14 games. Let's. Look at the last five Super Bowl winners. Chiefs were 12 and 4. That wasn't the best record in the league. The Ravens were 14 and 2 last year. The year before that, the Patriots were 11 and 5. But the Saints and the Rams were both 13 and 3. And the Chiefs and the Chargers, two in the same division, were 12 and 4. The year before that, the Eagles were 13 and 3, but they were mostly 13 and 3 with Carson Wentz. No one thought they were Super Bowl contenders when they came in because they had a backup quarterback who ended up going on a run. So you can't use that. The Vikings were 13-3 that year. Pats were 13-3. Steelers were 13-3. The year before that, the Patriots were 14-2. They won the Super Bowl with the best record. One time in the last five years it's happened. But the year before that, the Broncos were 12-4. The Bengals were 12 and 4. The Patriots were 12 and 4. The Panthers were 15 and 1. They had an MVP. The Cardinals were 13 and 3. So, in the last five years, one time where a team that clearly had the best record in the NFL won the Super Bowl. So, we can't go that narrow either. So, we were setting up boundaries now. We can't go as broad as to say all of the playoff teams. We can't go as broad as to say all the playoff teams who aren't a wild card. And we also can't go as narrow as to say the team with the best record. So it's somewhere in between. Per usual, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. It's not that broad, but it's not that narrow either. So now that we've set the parameters, let me go back to my definition. A Super Bowl contender is a team that can win the championship in the year of the assertion without the story of their underdog playoff run being the narrative. If they win the whole thing and no one is saying, wow, you know, we we never thought they were going to do it. No one ever thought they were going to do it. Everyone kind of counted them out. Then by definition, you're a Super Bowl contender. Because the idea that this team could win a Super Bowl is not necessarily overly prevalent, but it's ubiquitous enough that the opposite, the inverse of that, no one no one gave him a shot. The inverse of that isn't the narrative. And if the inverse of that isn't the narrative, then that means either subconsciously or consciously, that team was accepted as someone who could contend for the Super Bowl. 
If the Bills win the Super Bowl this year, based on what we know now, the argument is not going to be, wow, I didn't think they were going to do it this year. It's crazy. That's not going to be the narrative. There might be some people who say that, but that's not going to be the narrative. They have a top 10 quarterback, a top 10 offense. They've been getting all sorts of national media recognition. It's not going to be the narrative. Therefore, the Bills are a Super Bowl contender in 2020. We defined it. We set up parameters. And by that definition, the Bills are Super Bowl contenders. You know what doesn't make the Bills Super Bowl contenders? Colin Cowherd saying it. Colin Cowherd saying the Bills are the best team in the league doesn't really matter. Nick Wright saying he doesn't trust Josh Allen of the Bills also doesn't matter. A wise man told me one time that if you wouldn't go to them for advice, then don't pay attention to their criticism. It's interesting. Whenever these national media people who we like or don't like on a given day, as Bill's Mafia, says something bad about the team, we jump down their throat. And when they say something good about the team, we say, great. And we dance for them as they pull the strings. Which is interesting to me. Because if we really valued their opinion, we would care whether they say something good or bad. And there are national media members like that. There are people who I care about their opinion because I think they're competent at their jobs. And as such... They're not swinging left and right to generate the maximum amount of revenue for their platform. They're saying things that they believe to be true based on a process. And if they say something and it doesn't necessarily align with my opinion, I trust them enough and I value their opinion enough to go, huh, wow. If Greg Cosell doesn't think this is a very good idea, maybe I should look at that. Maybe I should try and get a better handle for why it is that he thinks that. Because I respect Greg Cosell's opinion. Make an opinion about the person. Don't be driven by the take. If the person is intellectually honest and you believe that even when you disagree with them, you understand logically how they got to that conclusion, then so be it. But if you don't trust their process, what does it matter what conclusion they arrived at? If you think Colin Cowherd is a schmuck, then why does it matter that he thought the Bills were the best team in the league? If he's a schmuck, why do we care? Either he's a schmuck or he's not a schmuck. That's it. Those are the only two options. He can't be a schmuck when he says something bad and then not a schmuck when he says something good. Either he's intellectually honest and logically based, or he's not. So we either care about his takes, or we don't care about his takes. We don't get to pick and choose this stuff, because then we're just dancing for them. We're generating the revenue that they want, which is fine. I personally have differing opinions on different local and national media members. And even when I disagree with people, I still value their process enough 
that I'm not overly affected by the take that I may or may not agree with. That's what I've always wanted to be on this show for you. I want to be intellectually honest and I want to be logically reasoned. And if those two things lead me to takes that are accurate, great. If they lead me to takes that end up being wrong, that's fine too. But I want to be logically based and I want to be intellectually honest. Maybe that's not relevant to you. Maybe all you want is to have someone say something nice about your team. And if that's the case, so be it. You are entitled to fandom however you would like to fandom. I'm giving you my opinion on why we shouldn't necessarily give in to people who we think are schmucks the second they say something good and we shouldn't jump all over people we thought were awesome five minutes ago when they have a take we don't like. There is a sample size enough for these people that we can get a judgment on whether or not they're being intellectually honest, whether or not they're being logically reasoned, if that's valuable to you. It's available if you want it. But I don't think that Colin Cowherd saying the Bills are the best team in the league makes this team a Super Bowl contender. I do think that if the Bills win the Super Bowl this year, nobody who has a shred of intellectual honesty in them will say, wow, you know, I'll level with you all the way to the end there. I wasn't really sure the Bills were going to do it because, you know, they don't have a very good quarterback. They don't have very good offense. They don't have very good defense. Point differential's a mess. Look at that scrappy underdog go. No, the Bills are a good team. And as such, that narrative would not be the way it is for some of these wild card teams and these underdog teams who have won the Super Bowl. Therefore, the Bills are a Super Bowl contender. They're a contender because nobody would be shocked and out of their mind if it got done. They'd be happy. They might be sad if they're from New England or Miami or New Jersey, but they can't really be all that shocked based on what they've seen thus far this year from this team. We are going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. Stick with me. We got more stuff to talk about. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. So the Bills are a Super Bowl contender. We've established it earlier. I know that it's a fluid concept. 
Based on my definition, it's a fluid concept. I get that. You can go from being a Super Bowl contender in the middle of the season to not being a Super Bowl contender by the time the playoffs here. Yeah, I get that. And I'm okay with that. It's fluid based on the time making the statement. One of the things that makes the Bills a Super Bowl contender and makes them a good team is that Josh Allen keeps checking boxes. And specifically, in the Pittsburgh game, he checked a box. So, he didn't check the box for a really good game. Josh Allen didn't have a really good game against Pittsburgh. Josh Allen's first half was abysmal. But his second half was very good. And that balanced out to a eh, game. But being able to pull yourself out of a nosedive against a really, really good defense and overcoming a tough start is a box checked. The box is for inter-game resiliency. Not game to game, not season to season. Inter-game resiliency. It's a trait of a good quarterback. It's a trait of a franchise quarterback. Josh Allen, check the box. I mentioned last week that it was probably not his best game. It was one of his best games against San Francisco. Probably not his best game. I still think the Miami game was better. But it might have been his most encouraging game. Using the right adjectives is important. It cannot be a good game and still be an important game. Just like last week wasn't his best game, but it was most encouraging game. Use adjectives appropriately. We have tons of them in the English language. We settle for things like best all the time, but that's kind of broad. So last week I said it wasn't his best game. It was a very, very good game. It wasn't his best game, but it was the most encouraging game. This week, it was one of his most important games even though I wouldn't say it was a very good game overall. It was a very good second half. But it was one of his most important games. And it keeps checking boxes. Well, Bruce, he won the game. Wins are the quarterback's dead. Mitchell Trubisky has a higher winning percentage as of the time of this recording than Deshaun Watson. Would anybody argue that Mitchell Trubisky is a better quarterback than Deshaun Watson? Anybody? Anybody sane? Because, you know, I can find a troll for anything on Twitter. Would anybody sane argue that? Probably not. But wins on a quarterback stat. And we have a pie to get to, ladies and gentlemen. A plurality pie. Stefan Diggs. 31% of the victory I'm given to Stefan Diggs. Because that's what we do on plurality pie. We give out big cell slices. Stefan Diggs was an absolute man possessed in this game was able to shake coverage, got some yak, caught everything thrown his way, made himself available to the quarterback with excellent, excellent route running and understanding of what the Steelers were doing. This is the type of game where having a number one wide receiver is potentially a margin of victory situation. If the Bills don't have Stephon Diggs, I'm not sure they win this game. If this is the 2019 Bills, they very, very likely don't win this game. With 2019 Allen and 2019 weapons, John Brown's a good receiver. Cole Beasley's a good receiver. Having Stephon Diggs changes games like this. When things are bad, 
and they're in a nosedive and you're trying to pull yourself out of it and you need to keep funneling towards somebody who you can count on, that's what a number one receiver is. It's a player you can run an effective high-octane offense through. That's the definition of number one receiver. If you can run an offense through that player and that resulting offense is very, very good in the passing attack, they're a number one receiver. And that is what Stephon Diggs is. 31%. Josh Allen, 17%. He should be commended for being able to overcome a bad first half. To snap out of it to understand, along with Brian Dable and Sean McDermott, what the Steelers were doing, get his passes back on target, understand the pressure, and make good plays. Daryl Williams, 16%. I understand he false started all the time. I get it. But even within the phase of the play, Daryl Williams played really well. I think the Daryl Williams or Matt Milano conversation is going to be interesting this offseason. If you can only keep one, who would it be? There's a chance I might have to do a pod on it. And if you ask me right now, it'd be a tough question. Mike Tomlin, 15%. That's right. Mike Tomlin gets a slice of plurality pie. I'll have it shipped to Pittsburgh. Put some dry ice in it. Ship it off to Pittsburgh. Make sure Mike Tomlin gets a big heaping slice. Continually punting the ball from Bill's territory ended up biting him in the butt. Mike Tomlin was the type of conservative that I've been yelling about Sean McDermott not being for a long time on this podcast, and it hurt his team. Taron Johnson, 6%. Taron Johnson, have yourself a day. Not just the pick six, also in run support. But we knew Taron Johnson was good in run support, but making a play in the passing game matters. Now, it wasn't a great throw, from Roethlisberger by any means. But he didn't drop it. He made a good play on the ball. He followed through. Big play for the defense. Levi Wallace, 5%. Yeah, he got turned around. But pass breakup, pick. Levi Wallace made some plays that were game-changing in order to help the Bills seal this game. Zach Moss, 5%. The other part of sealing this game was continually handing the ball to Zach Moss against one of the best defenses in the league, and they know it's coming, and the Bills were able to run 7 minutes and 11 seconds off of the clock with the help of Zach Moss and this offensive line. That's not getting enough publicity this week. It was a great part of this game. Being able to run the ball effectively matters. I have said on this podcast in the past that being able to run the ball frequently doesn't always matter. There are specific scenarios where it matters. Blinding snow would be one of them. But every single play that the Bills run, I want to be effective. If it's a punt, I want it to be effective. And that's no different for the run game. And so effective running was a big part of the Bills' victory because it helped them ice the win, and Zach Moss was a big part of that. Other 5%. So, that means Stephon Diggs, 31%. Josh Allen, 17%. Darrell Williams, 16%. Mike Tomlin, 15%. Taron Johnson, 6%. 
Levi Wallace, 5%. Zach Moss, 5%. Other 5%. Ladies and gentlemen. We opened a can. And that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan. Buffalo Rumblings. Buffalo Rumblings.